I think that yeah, we did. Uh, yeah, no. All right. Hey, Ashley. Hey, Olivia. Welcome to Drunk of the Book Club. A podcast for lonely drunk bookcasters. <laughs> Yay. Oh, yeah, Good cheers. recording. I'm going to put my whole mug up against this camera. Me too. Yay. I'm drinking coffee with peppermint extract, and it's pretty nice. Ooh, that sounds delicious. Mm. I'm drinking mango black tea. Ooh, that sounds nice too. Yeah. Do you sweeten it or no? No. I don't like my tea sweet. Mm-hmm. That's, <laughs> that's good. Yes. I have nothing else to add to that statement. I like, I go through phases. Sometimes I'll like add like a drop of that liquid stevia and then sometimes I'll be like, no, I want yeah. it to be like full force tea. Yeah. Full force tea. <laughs> I guess sometimes like honey can be okay in it or mm-hmm. like agave. But typically, no. Yeah. Regular. Now that I'm obsessed with adding cream to things, like, I just, I add cream and then I'm like, oh, this is so decadent and delicious. Yeah. It it does make it really decadent. Mm Mm-hmm. So good. Well, that's, I mean, this isn't necessarily the healthiest, but that's basically what I just end up eating for breakfast. It's like... A lot of coffee with cream. Yep. <laughs> so, like, my first meal of the day is cream. <laughs> Same, actually. <laughs> oh, actually, and now Starbucks, the one next to my store downtown, uh-huh. and they sell string cheese now. Oh, nice. So, in the morning, I get a coffee with cream and a string cheese. Nice. And that's my breakfast. <laughs> dairy, dairy. It's like, one day I'll add fruits or veggies to this meal <laughs> i like how they do like when you ask for heavy whipping cream they're like yeah no big deal because when i go to like i try not to go to starbucks as much as possible yeah which doesn't always work out because they're just so easy to find but right when i go to like my local places they're like sorry or they look at me like you're weird <laughs> i'm like just use half and half what's your problem weirdo <laughs> but yeah they don't want you having decadent morning Right? They're like, sorry, that's, like, too fancy. Who do you think you are? Down to Abbey people? You're living your life too well. <laughs> you do not. You only have half and half. Be sadder. <laughs> oh, okay. Alrighty. The couple next door. Ooh, you got the hardcover? Yeah, that's the only thing that they had. Wait, can I see what the hardcover looks like? Oh. <gasps> Oh, it looks different than mine. Oh, really? Oh, I wish I had my camera to show you. No. I'll send you a text. <laughs> yeah, uh, mine looks different. That's interesting. I put it down on the counter one day when I was getting a coffee somewhere. Uh-huh. The one was like, oh, is that a book about food? <laughs> like, what? And Why? she looked at it again. She's like, oh, for some reason I thought that was food on the cover. That's <laughs> weird. Like the outline of a lady's face. Yeah, but... it's like a creepy silhouette. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh no, it's a murder mystery. So, yes, what a murder mystery. On that note, do you want to give us the synapse? Yeah. Okay. So, this story is about a couple who goes over to their neighbor's house mm-hmm. one night party and decides to leave their baby at home alone with a monitor running. Um, and when they return from the party, after they've been checking on her periodically throughout the night, mm-hmm. they get to realize that the baby is missing from her crib 
as well as her blanket. Um, they call the police, uh, and an investigation starts. There are not a lot of clues, but weird things happening, like the front door left open, mm-hmm. tires in the garage, police start an investigation, turns out that they start focusing in on the parents, who start focusing in on the grandparents, mm-hmm. and... All of this uh, crazy stuff starts happening, and there's a lot of intertwining circles between neighbors and grandparents and parents, and somehow they live happily ever after at the end. Sort of. Kind of. Yeah. More so than I wanted. Well, I mean, the last... Wait, but the last... Wait, what do you mean they end up happily ever after? Wait, don't they? What? It ends with him... <laughs> it ends with him finding her with the bloody knife. <laughs> I was just remembering the fact that they were still together. And that frustrated me. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! That's so funny. Backtrack. <laughs> Uh, you learn, actually, on the whole other side of it, you learn that the wife actually has a very dark history, dark past, and um, some of those past instances where she's harmed other people have come back to her life, and despite the fact that she was not the one responsible for her baby's disappearance, she is now a murderer. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I totally forgot about that part. Oh my god. That's like the funniest thing. <laughs> well, because for a second I was like, yeah, sort of happily ever after. And then I was like, wait, no, 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 no. Oh my god, that's so amazing. Okay, so backstory to me reading this. I was just sitting in my round chair one night. And I ended up drinking an entire bottle of wine Ooh. and reading this book, like, in one night. And I was up until two or so in the morning. Oh, damn. Just finished it. And so now that I think about it, that might be why I don't remember the end as well. Can I just <laughs> say that this is, like, a clear, like, if you ever needed a clear sign that we are meant to be friends, like, that sounds like an evening that I could have very easily had as well. Right. <laughs> It's a classic. That sounds like a really awesome evening. That's hilarious, though. I can't believe I just blocked out that last chapter. Well, you were at the bottom of the bottle by that point. (laughs) I was. Um, That's so funny. So, I feel like I have a lot... Well... Jump in. Okay. I don't like that the reveal... Mm -hmm. Well, like, part of the reveal is, like, halfway through the book. Wait, wait, wait. Be specific. If people are listening to this, then they have to deal with spoilers. Okay, so when we find out that the dad actually took the baby out of the home... Yeah. It happens in, like, one sentence halfway through the book. Oh, you feel like it was too early? It was too early, and I know a lot happens, like, after that, Mm -hmm. but I actually had to read that page twice, because I was like, wait, did I get this right? Oh. Did just say... Who did this? Like, yeah. I expected there to be... I felt like it was... While we kind of assumed that he had something... To, well, I did. Yeah. Because he's being so weird. 
assumed he had something to do with it. Like, I wasn't ready for her to just be like, and then he took her. Yeah. You know? It was just, that was kind of disappointing. Yeah, it was too, um, <clears throat> it was too brief and, like, sort of almost easy to gloss over. Right. And, I mean, I feel her writing style was just a little weird. Oh, wait, yes. Can I, I just, like, randomly open to a page. Can I read it? It's the beginning of Chapter 17. Marco gets into the Audi and drives, but not to the office. Instead, he takes the nearest exit and drives out of the city. He weaves in and around traffic. The Audi is responsive to his touch. After about 20 minutes, he turns off onto a smaller highway. Soon he reaches a familiar dirt road that leads to a fairly secluded lake. Dude, I feel like this is, like, this is, like, a, like, a speech-to-text, you know, like... It doesn't feel like crafted writing. Right. And there was parts where some of the sentences, and I can't, I wish that I had taken notes, but were so funky mm-hmm. that I I had to read them several times. Mm-hmm. Just because, like, the flow didn't make sense, and the, like, I don't know, just the format of it. Yeah. Like, Wait, how am I supposed to read the sentence? This is very bizarre. No, I had but, that, too. Not full sentences, but, like, and I feel like that's okay. You know, people can take creative liberty with their writing, mm-hmm. but it didn't work. <laughs> it was, like, confusing and made me hiccup along the way instead of just, like, adding suspense or something. Right. <clears throat> yeah, no. I definitely, I felt like it was also very dialogue heavy, and I didn't always, like, buy the characterization within the dialogue. Right, right. Like, a lot of times I was reading the dialogue and felt like, wait, what? Like, no. Or, or like, I would reach a point where somebody was talking and I'd be confused about who was speaking because... Yes. I mean, sh- the author did, like, a pretty good job of of clarifying, like, Rossbach says, Marco says, so-and-so says. But then you'd have, like, these, like, larger monologues, which I always kind of have an issue with when it's supposed to be realistic fiction. Um, right. And then I'd be like, who? Wait, what? I don't know what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. So. I agree. <clears throat> it was a little funky. That being said, uh, it was, like, a super page-turner, for sure. Right. It's like, Made clear by my... 2 or 3 a.m. bottle of wine. Yeah. It's like, I feel like, at a, I don't know, I want to qualify books as, especially when we're talking about these thrillers that we've been reading, like, yeah. super readable, thought-provoking, interesting, and entertaining, but mm-hmm. at the same time, not, like, the best example of, like, a, this is so mean, and I'm, like, in no place to speak, but... Not the best example of, like, a well-written book, you know? Right, right. I know. I agree, though. But, you know, not every book, I guess, has to be like that. It just is a reason to get you reading. Right. This is the equivalent of watching Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Right. And maybe, like, along the way, you're going to accidentally catch... A commercial for an important, like, uh, PBS, PBS documentary, or or even maybe you're going to catch a commercial for, like, The Sopranos, which is a very well done show, you know? <laughs> Great example. This, I was actually trying to think of, like, a rom-com that I could relate it to. Okay, so I sorry, I didn't really, even try. <laughs> you did a really good job, actually. <laughs> 
You know, this could be a gateway book. Yeah, it could. It really could. Or it could just be like a sometimes I want to sit and eat shit that's bad for me book. Right. Again, back to my hot Cheetos um, analogy, the metaphor that I will always fall back on. Which is a classic. (laughs) It's a classic. It's a a drunk of the book club classic analogy. (laughs) Everybody knows. Everybody knows. We already have classics. It's fine. (laughs) I'm going to, like, make myself a shirt. (laughs) (laughs) What did you think of the overall storyline? Um, I thought that I was actually... (sighs) I always do this. Um... I wish I could see your face right now. I know. I'm sorry. (laughs) I need to figure that out. But, um, I thought that there was some interesting twists, which I thought was cool. Like, I didn't find it as predictable as The Vanishing Year, which was cool for me. Right, right. I think because there was so much happening, like, there were so many, like, you know, crossings and crossing. Also because we switched, um, between... Focusing, it was it was still told from the third person, but it was like an omniscient narrator, and so at points you were sort of closer in Marco's head, and at points you were yeah. sort of in um, Anne's head. Yeah. <clears throat> so that was like interesting to me. Um, how to put it? I I mean, I liked how there were a lot of like things that were thrown at you. You're like, whoa, that's crazy that that's happening. I didn't necessarily find it believable, but. Right. I enjoyed, like, the twisty-turny aspect of it. Right, right. Yeah, I agree. What did you think? Uh, I mean, I think Page Turner is, like, a great description for it. I liked it. I didn't... Yeah, it wasn't completely predictable. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I was bummed at first, and I thought, like, that was going to be just the one reveal in the middle of the book. Right. Um, and I'm glad that there was more happening afterwards um but I mean I guess when I look back at it like it makes sense that the grandfather was involved since like was it Marco in the very beginning who was like your parents have money Mm -hmm. it's related um there was definitely hints throughout it but um and they all suck like everybody sucks yeah they're all the worst yeah yeah I Oh, gosh, I did like the storyline. It was good. You know, it kept me wanting to know what was happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think it was the most believable scenario. Yeah. <laughs> I think it started out believable, you know, someone yeah. coming home, their baby missing. Right, right, right. As fiction begins, but <laughs> as it continued, not the most yeah. situation. Um, I kind of liked the role of the detective, Rossbach. Yeah, that's actually what I just was thinking of. Like, how did I feel about him? That you liked him? I think I liked him because this, it, his presence and, like, his, when you kind of, again, you're not in his full perspective. He's not telling a story, but you're kind of within his mind. Um, I kind of felt like it was hearkening back to, like, those, like, detective novels of, like, the early 1900s or, like, the mid-1900s, which that's, like, a really interesting genre that... Yeah. I don't think is very popular now. Um, like this sort of like hardball detective. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> that's the sound effect that I think of. <laughs> I think that's fitting. Um, and so that was kind of cool because I almost felt like he was an homage to that genre. Yeah. 
to see his struggle with it all mm-hmm. um, as he realized as he goes back and forth between like okay this person's guilty even if he is guilty that like, I still you know he still felt for Marco mm-hmm. he felt for Anne right yeah um for not you know fully grasping what was happening um oh my gosh I just so, sorry, my mind just went in 30 different directions. <laughs> and I'll tell you one of the connecting stories in a minute. But okay. Cynthia yes. is worst. Yes. I know. Oh, gosh. Like, I, we can't forget about her involvement in this entire thing. Ugh, I know. I'm sorry, but, like, <laughs> this is this is an extreme statement that I don't know if I'm really going to stand behind. But, like, I'm excited. she deserved to die. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't again. I don't know if I stand behind that. Stand behind that. But my emotional reaction was like, right. "Yeah, right." <laughs> also, can we talk about quickly how the description of her? Oh my god! I was like, "What is this? So weird? Like '90s? Like I don't know. What is this description? Like strappy heeled sandals?" Oh my god! Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Let me see if I can find like from the very beginning. Um. <laughs> Who is this? And who's describing her? Oh, well, I found a good description of Marco. When, like, Anna's drunk and she's watching Cynthia flirt with him. And she's like, oh, my God. Um, Cynthia is flirting more than Marco is. He is the flattered recipient of her attentions. Marco is almost too good-looking himself. With his tousled, tousled? I don't even know how to say that word. Dark hair, hazel eyes, and a charming smile. He's always attracted attention. (laughs) Oh, wait, I found it. I found it. Anne could never compete. This is on page six to seven. Anne could never compete with the likes of Cynthia, her taller, shapelier neighbor, with her long legs, nipped in waist, and big breasts, her porcelain skin and tumbling jet black hair. And Cynthia is always dressed to kill, in high heels and sexy clothes, even for a dinner party at home with one other couple. Love it. So funny. Yeah. Okay. So there was that one, and then there's also when Rosbach is describing her. Oh yes. Oh my god, it's just so funny. I don't even know how I would find that one right now, but... Also, just reading the fact that Cynthia had jet black hair, that was not what I was actually reading. Yeah. Which is why I personally am not a fan of when the whole, like, exposition of characters' looks, physical looks thing happens. Yeah. Because, like, first of all, it seems like sort of a juvenile... It seems more like a YA book, you know? Because, like, you read that in YA books because teens, like, kind of want to have a quick, immediate image of, like, their main character, which I get. But then I usually forget most of those things. Like, I never remember when somebody has hazel eyes because, like, honestly, if it doesn't come up as, like, a plot point later on, it doesn't really matter to me that much. Right. Like, I kind of prefer to just imagine what they look like myself. Yeah. I agree. I mean, you know, there are times that I want that description. Okay, wait. Hold on. I think I found it. (laughs) (laughs) She is a beautiful woman. Early 30s, long black hair, large blue eyes. She's the kind of figure that stops traffic. (laughs) Also fully aware of her own attractiveness, and she makes it difficult for anyone else not to be aware of it, too. She's wearing a blouse, deeply unbuttoned, (laughs) flapping linen trousers, 
and high-heeled sandals. <laughs> she was perfectly made up, even though someone stole her guest's baby while they were at her house late the night before. <laughs> what? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. Unbuttoned blouse, linen trousers, and high-heeled sandals. Deeply unbuttoned. Yes. Which, that's a weird way to describe it. I know. I know. But see, it's like weird and Taylor 80s, like, porn version or something. So, you know, what I was going to say is, if you ever walk around Carmel, or you go to, like, a benefit, like, an event with people who live in Carmel, you will see that woman. But she won't have jet black brown hair. She will have, like, honey blonde hair. That's exactly what I've been picturing. Yep. <laughs> oh, well, your book does look so different. Oh, yeah. It's like it's like a wet window that somebody, like, wiped. And then the part that is, like, the wiped part, it's like you could feel it. It's a different oh, texture. Oh, really? Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> Very different crazy actually though when you flashed like your book like cover you were like holding it up for a second yeah when you were I think looking for something anyways I saw the cover briefly and I think I know why that woman thought it was a food book the hair kind of looks like pasta oh if you just like kind of like look at it real quick (laughs) (laughs) sure you've seen it you can't unsee it but I I am not familiar with the cover so I for a second was like oh pasta um so a couple next start oh wait i had so i've been frantically trying to catch up with and finish the gilmore girls because i want to watch you know year in the life yep desperately but i don't want to like not be done with the series before i watch it right delicate balance um i'm on season seven so i'm very close okay (laughs) that's what happens when you're sick and so it was really funny because I felt like Anne's family was like an extreme and negative version of the Gilmores. I was like, yeah, I was like, this is, if this, this could be the Gilmores in like an alternate reality, like a very bad reality, obviously, but like the wealth and the whole, like, they don't like Marco. And so that is the thing, like pushing them to be so well that's the thing that's pushing the stepfather to act right and create this con and right. I was like oh my god it's just like when they didn't like Luke <laughs> I mean not quite <laughs> I really like this comparison okay wait are you has Jess returned um I'm in season seven where everything is like cheesier and dumber and Christopher and Lorelai are together. Oh. And um, Rory is long distancing with Logan. Okay. Is, like, Jess going to make a big return in this season? I don't remember what season. I think it's seven. Because he made, like, a brief return at maybe mid to late point of last season when she went to see him in Philadelphia at his, like... Yeah, so that's the one I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. So Are did, you not team Jess after that? I don't know. It wasn't, like, enough for me to see, like, if he would be, like, a decent boyfriend. But he knows her. Yeah, but Logan knows her to an extent, too, and I don't like him. I'm, like, a team nobody. Like, I'm, like, a, I hope in the intervening years she meets somebody new who's, like, decent. Ugh. <laughs> oh, I don't even know what to say. I support Jess so much. But he was so horrible. 
when they were yeah, younger. He was like a baby. I know, but like, why does why? Ugh, she needs to find somebody who's like already done their growing. But he has. Has he though? We only saw him for like an episode, and he seems put together in that episode. But who the fuck knows? I know. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a team. Like, bring in somebody else. I'm in a team. Team new guy. Team new guy. Ugh. But I know they won't do that because they only have four episodes and they don't have time to bring in a new character that you, like, need. At all. You haven't watched the... Or, no, did you watch the video that I posted on Facebook that was, like, Happy Birthday, Gilmore Girls? No, because I haven't been afraid to watch anything. Oh, okay. Well... Before I finish. I'll just tell you, Logan aged really well. Ooh. Ooh. That did make it tough. Okay. Like, he looks really good. I mean, here's what I really hate about the way that they wrote Logan and Jess in particular, is that they started out with them, well, especially Logan, being total, total assholes, and then spent the whole of the relationship for Logan trying to make him, like, more relatable so that we as an audience will, like, like him. And it's like, you started out with him so horrible, how, how are you going to come back from that? And right. to Jess, with Jess to a certain extent, they started out with him being, like, surly and grumpy and then you know suddenly their their interest blooms and I feel like it was somewhat understandable why but at points I was like he's being such a dick and such a baby and then and then to bring him back and be like he's mature it's like fine or whatever but they didn't explore it at all and I was disappointed about that yeah I guess that's true well they didn't have time to explore because she was still stupid faced Logan yeah I know and then Dean ugh, Dean Dean is the biggest baby and drives me crazy. See, rewatching this as an adult has made me realize that even from the beginning, Dean was bad news because he was just like okay. so codependent. And yeah. like when she didn't want to have sex with him, he was like, well, what the hell? But then he tried to walk back from it and be like, oh, I'm sorry, you know? Right. So or, I remember as a kid when I watched it, I was like, but Dean is so reliable and dependable and so sweet and he loves her unconditionally. But now I'm like, no, Dean is just pathetic so pathetic and even when there's like one episode where she's like nervous about harvard Mm -hmm. you know and she builds the house and stuff yeah and he was she was like no no no, i really have to like prepare more it's like come on rory you promised you'd watch a movie with me i know he's like i can't handle you now the worst and then he was so so horrible to Lindsay so horrible like when they had scenes of them at home and like he's obviously dealing with his guilt but he was just like so like emotionally abusive towards her yeah i know it's shocking he was so bad yeah so like can we take a brief moment to talk about why did they decide for Lindsay to not do anything i don't know she work or go to school or anything i think that's such a weird decision for them to make well i feel like the way that they handled all of these young relationships was kind of weird like i don't know i'm at the point where lane has like married zach and found out that she's pregnant and it's just like they're they're like young they're still like 21 that seems so unrealistic to me like (laughs) i don't know maybe it's just like maybe it's supposed to be a reflection of small town life but yeah Lindsay not having a job and like I don't know. Maybe it was supposed to be like, this is what small town people do. Yeah. But it was so weird. Okay, so I, when I can't think of anything to watch, I will just kind of like jump back into Gilmore Girls. Right. 
Um, and I just watched the episode yesterday where Dean is like working late at the inn, uh-huh. and she like comes in. And she's like, "We're supposed to have dinner. Oh, yeah. I've sat at home bored all day. I'm just bored." It's like, what? Then do something. I know. Okay, but also, I mean, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say. Also, one thing that I am keeping in mind is that it's pre-recession, and so right. like that might play like a part in that like. Yeah. Interesting. Maybe it, he was like paid better, and like I don't know, like just the economy was better. But also, it does seem unrealistic. It's just so weird because I mean, this does not justify like he's a horrible person to her. But right. it's just like what? And I don't understand. Like the show is all about like strong women, right? You know, like doing something, and then they're just like, well, but she's just gonna do nothing. <laughs> Like, she even says it herself. She does nothing, and she just sits home bored. I know. Like, join a book club or something. I know. Well, and it's not like she's, you know, it's not like she is renovating the house, or, like, it's not like they're pregnant and she's, like, raising the kid, or it's not like she's, you know, working from home. You know, like, she's just, really what she's doing is she's chilling with her mom, decorating the house, and learning how to cook things. Sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. Like, yeah, I think even one time she was like, I was thinking of maybe cooking tonight. <laughs> Which is like, why would they write her that way? I just felt, into, like, just, oh, God. I've The scenes where um, he's like, why did you look at my phone? Why did you grab my phone, Lindsay? And I was just like, holy shit, he's a monster. He's awful. And she's just like... I was so sad for her because she's like, I made this meal that, like, your mom always makes that you love. Oh, and then when she goes to the butcher and she's like, give me the directions. Please let me write it down so I can make it exactly like his mom makes it. I was just like, oh, my God. Oh, God. This is so horrible. Like, Dean is a monster. He really is. And even, like, I think those are around the same episodes where, like, Jess shows up at Yale, right? Yeah. And Dean's there and he's just like, you told him to come. Like, yeah. What? Stop being such a baby. You're married. Ugh, I know. And you're like, I don't like Jess still. Ugh. Oh, and I was also really mad at Rory because I was like, Rory, what are you doing? And she's like, but he's my Dean. Like, I knew him right. first. And I was like, you're being such a baby right now, Rory. Like, Rory's supposed to be so smart and she's so dumb when it comes to men. So dumb when it comes to men. So, so dumb. But this is also when they have the new writer, right? The new they one? switched over to that guy. Oh, is that? I don't know the background as of that. As soon as Rory starts becoming more stupid, uh-huh. they have, like, a new writer. Well, I know that, like, season seven, they don't even have the Sherman Paladinos. Right. Yeah, no, the Sherman people, <laughs> um, it's, like, as soon as they left. Yeah. They left because, like, I think the some other members wanted to start writing this show differently, and they mm-hmm. were like, no. Yeah. They just bounced. Ugh. So stupid. But they're doing the comeback, so. Yeah, that's good, at least. You worth it. So now that we've just had an episode about four girls. <laughs> oh, yeah. Back to the couple next door. It's like Twilight Zone Gilmores. Yes. <laughs> and if you don't uh, watch the Gilmore Girls, watch it. Yeah, if you don't, then you are way behind. So behind. Um. So back to the couple next door. Do you want to talk up? Talk up? Talk about uh, this weird, evil backstory to oh yeah, Anne, uh, Anne, yeah, 
That was weird. Very weird. Like, like, I mean, I get the point of it by the end of the book, but. And I feel like it was the point of it in the middle was like, we had to have her like thinking through like, did I do it? Did I do it? Like, right. We had to have her. Because if she wasn't thinking that about herself, I think she would have recognized, like, Marco's role much earlier. Yeah. Because I don't think she's ultimately dumb. No, not at all. I think she's actually very intelligent, but has had these issues. Right. I don't know what that was supposed to be. Like, if that's supposed to be, like, a real thing. I don't know. What were they saying that she kind of, like laps out and distances herself from, like, reality when she's having... Yes. ...difficult times with something, right? It's like when, with stress or with, like, like, intense emotions, like, she, like, disassociates herself with these, like, violent responses. Right, right. Like, she doesn't realize what she does. Right. Which is disturbing. Very disturbing. Very scary. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... But, yeah, there's just the one issue in high school. Yeah, where she beat the shit out of that girl. Right. Which, I mean, those girls sounded pretty terrible. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) Yeah, I thought it was interesting how, like, her and her mom had this sort of, like, unified, like, we will hide it from the stepdad thing in response. And maybe that was meant to, like, show us that he was not like fully within their world or like he was like the mom didn't fully trust him yeah i don't know maybe i thought that was a little weird though yeah i agree it it seems like this person like while not being a great well as we find out later not a great guy at all right very terrible but in the beginning you're like well he doesn't seem like the greatest dude trying to take credit for this money but he's like been in this girl's life her whole life right like why would you hide something like that from someone who's essentially raised this person right that was weird but then yeah then you find out he's terrible yeah maybe there is something about the mom not trusting him I mean they don't sleep in the same room too right right and it's like when we enter her sort of omniscient oops sort of omnisciently like her whole thing is like He's done this for years. Like, she'd come to expect this, but this was, like, beyond the pale. You know, something like that. Because she had, like, hired the detective and... Yeah. And that's how she found out that he was with Cynthia. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Cynthia is, like, a 90s, like, mean girl name. Totally. Yeah. But Cynthia is also the name of that one doll from Rugrats. Do you remember that? That, like... Oh, yeah. Like, haggard-ass doll. <laughs> like the weird yeah. hair. Like that poor doll has been through too much. <laughs> That's totally right. I forgot about that. <laughs> it's um, a Angelica's doll, Cynthia. Yeah. <laughs> funny. But yeah, Cynthia's pretty cool. <laughs> Cynthia. Um, oh wait, okay, so Anne has this weird dissociative disorder that shows itself in very violent ways. Right. That I don't know if it's a real thing or not. But it's not DID. It's not disassociative identity disorder. No. Because it's not like she has, like, an alter, does she? I don't... I'm using language from that one show that me and Jules used to always watch. 
What show? Um, the one with Tony Collette. Uh, is that her name? I have no idea. The woman who has disassociative identity disorder. Oh. And her husband is that foxy dude. Right. What was that show called? United States of Terra. Right. <clears throat> There you go. Anyways. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't think, I don't think it's disassociative identity disorder, but it's some sort of disassociative disorder. Right, 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 right. And then it comes out apparently only twice in her lifetime, one when she's bullied and one when she finds out that this woman next door was involved with her father in this whole evil kidnapping scheme. Yeah. Although, wait. Didn't she, like, allude to, like, other times where she felt like she lost time? Yes. But maybe that didn't involve the violence. But it didn't seem like, yeah, there was any proof of violence or something. Right. Uh, But I know that part of the, like, narrative was her fear of motherhood and feeling like she was going to do that. Right. To her daughter. Right. Which I think is probably, like, as a function in the story or as it functions in the story, is, like, putting a magnifying glass on, like, a very real fear that parents do have about, right. you know, That's like, awesome. or losing losing control of a situation, feeling angry towards their children, just sort of magnifies it. Wait, can I say one thing? So, like, the whole premise of this is that they go to a party next door, and they leave the baby at home with the um, monitor, and they feel like they're really, really terrible people for doing that. And everybody's like, how could they leave the baby? Right. My parents totally did that with me. Like, I remember hearing some story about, like, that, you know, they're on base and it's, like, 1990 and the neighbors are having a party and they're like, we'll leave Ashley at home and bring the monitor with us. Like, right. I thought that was something people did. Well, <laughs> maybe it's just, just thinking parents. about it. Yeah, because when, when is this supposed to be, like, what year is this supposed to take place in? I think it's supposed to be modern because, remember, it's like a, a video monitor, but the video part is broken. Oh, right, right. So, I when I read that too, I was thinking like, yeah, I guess modern day people wouldn't do that as much, but only twenty years ago, I think that was very common. I think so. Like if you look back years before that, it was even more common. I'm sure. Well, yeah, and before monitors, it was like we'll go and check on the baby later. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I know, but now apparently that's. Well, God, I guess by the time we have kids, it'll be like, if you leave them for one second. <laughs> you don't carry them around with you. Just a minute of the day. Oh, my God. <laughs> Even when you're in the shower. Even when you're on the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I don't know. I still see, like, you know, if you go into a public restroom, I see all the time, like, if there's no handicap room. Uh-huh. We'll have to leave strollers, like, right outside the door. Oh, yeah. Like, kind of hope for the best. Oh, that's scary. Yeah, my I dad know. will mention, he's like, I hate it when I go to a public restroom and, like, some man has, like, his daughter in there. It's like, you can't do that. You can't do that. And I was like, well, what did you do when I was young? And he was like, I would, like, send you into the women's restroom. Or I would, like, grab a woman, like, who was walking in and ask her to watch you. And I was like, okay. That's funny. <laughs> or I guess... <laughs> He said he would, like, call in and be like, anybody in there? (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah, I was talking to my mom about this for some reason recently. 
about how there's like that weird age where like you were still a little bit too young to yeah. maybe go alone to the restroom, but you are like now a human that understands things. Yeah, yeah. And how oh, I think we were talking about like the bathrooms at Target. Uh-huh. Target. She was, again. Like also talking about how they're making a new thing where, you know, most places have to have a family restroom. Right. Um, she was like, yeah, I definitely remember times where your dad would be out with you all day and, like, a little bit too young to go into the bathroom by yourself, so you have to go into the men's room and just hope for the best. Yeah. Like, a very weird, uh, age. Yeah, very in-between. Yeah. Um, oh no, we were talking about, okay, God, Neve. <laughs> um... Apparently, he and his fiance or something, they just had a baby. I love how you talk about them like they're your friends. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, weird. Uh, (laughs) But they posted this weird video to, Uh like, get people... Someone else shared it on Facebook or something to get people to support longer maternity and paternity leave. Right, right, right. And how also trying to get people to put changing tables in men's restrooms because mm, mm-hmm. men don't really have the ability to do that right now. Right. I don't remember what was happening, but that was what sparked this conversation. Gotcha. Yes. Yeah, there aren't, there aren't changing tables in men's restrooms? Most, no. Ugh, that's so stupid. Yeah. It's so, like, what is the dad supposed to do? Well, dads don't do that. No. They do not. <laughs> That's a woman's job. Uh, God, why are we on such... I think her brains are very scattered today. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's been a rough week. Yeah. Yeah, it has. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, um, is there anything else to say about the couple next door? Um, I think very similar to, like I said, with the vanishing gear, like, if somebody was like, I want kind of an easy read that's thrilling and, like, I'm on vacation and I want to bring a book on the plane or, like, I want to bring a book to the pool or... I don't know why people are always going, like, on planes and pools. I want to read a book, like, on the couch. <laughs> um, I would say, Ed, the couple next door, here. Yeah. Take my copy and don't bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pass it I on. think so, too. If you want to sit in a bowl chair until three in the morning reading... Yeah. This is for you. And you have to pass along some wine, too. Yes. Yes. So a little tip. If you ever read this book, you need a bottle of wine. <laughs> I like to pass on bottles of wine with books. I want to write the kind of book that requires that you be drunk when you're reading it. And then when you buy the book, you also, like, it's a package deal. Like, it comes with some alcohol. Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I'm sure there's, like, some sleazy romance novel out there. Oof, yeah. It, like, starts with, like, you better be holding a bottle of wine when you read this. <laughs> I've never actually read any romance novels, but that's my guess. You better be holding a bottle of wine. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm going to write you a story for your birthday, <laughs> and that is how we'll start. <laughs> and I'm just going to use all of the worst, like, the worst gross terminology for, like, <laughs> body parts that I can. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so excited. <laughs> oh, my God. 
see how many times I can spit the bottle of wine out. <laughs> That'd be so good. <laughs> oh my gosh. Great. Oh. Cool. Um, but yeah, overall, it's fine. Yeah. The writing was a little weird. Yeah. But the storyline kept me going. Yeah. And the grandpa's a lunatic. Oh, yeah. So. He's horrible. Oh, yes. So what are we reading? You Can't Touch My Hair by Phoebe Robinson. Yeah. Who, like, by the way, is so funny and has two podcasts that I listen to religiously. So when I got the book, I was, like, reading the back and everything. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize that that's who that was. Oh, yeah. Cool. I actually haven't listened to, what's one of her podcasts? Two Uh, Dope Queens and So Many White Guys. Oh, right. Okay. I've heard of both, and I've been meaning to listen to both. Two Dope Queens is great because it's like she co-hosts it with um, Jessica Williams, who used to be on The Daily Show, and she's just like another funny, funny, intelligent person. Um, Right. And they like host these, like, it's not open mic, they host these um, like comedy shows, and the podcast is basically like the live show. Nice. Um, and it's really funny comics who like you may or may not have heard of, and they're all very funny and it's awesome. And then um, so many white guys is like a more traditional interview type podcast, um, and the premise is that Phoebe interviews not white guys because most interview shows just feature so many white guys. Um, except for the one token white guy at the very end, who ends up being Mike Birbiglia, like, the darling of the, you know, NPR world. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Which, it was actually good. Yeah. Um, but all of them are really good, because she interviews, like, a whole sort of, it, like, runs the gamut of different types of, like, people with different roles. Like, it's not all, like, comics. Yeah. Cool. I'm excited to listen. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I'm excited to read this book. Yeah, we do. Yay. So, if people want to find us and reach out, they can go to Instagram or Twitter. Uh, right. Drunk of the Book on both of those. Yeah, Drunk of the Book. And our Gmail is Drunk of the Book at Gmail. And our website is drunkofthebook.com. Yeah. And then and please leave us reviews. Yes. We're on we- Stitcher and iTunes. Yeah. We have one review on iTunes, and it's a beautiful review, but we need more. We need more. Um, and, you know, like we say all the time, we're always looking for recommendations. Yeah, seriously. Tweet us recommendations. Email us recommendations. Yes, please. Because, well, we have a good, like, run. We have some good stuff coming up the pike. Is that what the phrase is? <laughs> pipe? Pipe? Pipeline. <laughs> we have some good stuff coming up, <laughs> but after that, we always like reach the point where we like read all the books that we had planned, and then we're like, "Oh no, we have nothing to read." Yeah, I know. We do. We hit these like weird little pockets of emptiness. Emptiness in our hearts and in our pocketbooks. <laughs> what I mean by that is, I carry a book in my purse. <laughs> <laughs> But I guess that's not a pocketbook. No, it's not. I think that's a wallet, right? Damn it. Damn it. Damn it. Mm. Forget it all. (laughs) 
Um, but yeah, please send us recommendations. We always will take them. Yeah. And we like reading. Yeah, we like reading. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get reading. Okay. <laughs> Yay. I thought I just saw something about the